Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of the Step Back Podcast here on Fanside. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast apps, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We're now going to start coming to you twice a week, so an early in the week episode and a late in the week episode as well. We're going to continue to cover the big topics in the NBA, looking back, but mostly projecting forward, stepping forward as we look at what's going to happen in the future, especially with some of the big markers in the season that come up. Today, we're going to talk about a marker that actually just passed, but it leads to one that's coming up, which is that pretty much everybody in the league is eligible to be traded at this point. There are a few guys that still are waiting until right before the deadline. There are some that can't be traded at all before the deadline, like, say, LeBron James. So we're not going to discuss that. But January 15th was the deadline for a lot of different teams. Brady Hawk, who is my co-host here, you can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. And I have been covering what's happening in Miami with Dwayne Dedman's contract, along with Victor Oladipo's, although we don't think that one's being moved. Dwayne Dedman's contract being eligible for trade on January 15th and what may now happen up until the deadline coming up in a couple of weeks. So as we go through this, we're going to go through today the top five teams in each conference as it currently stands and then a couple of wild cards in each conference, maybe one in the East and maybe a few more than one in the West and what those teams need. So what should they be doing? Should they be buying? Should they be selling? We would assume that most of the teams that are in the top five right now should be buying. And if they buy, what would they buy right now? Because this is one of the stranger deadlines we've seen in history because there is no clear title contender right now. Everybody, I mean, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Nets at times this year, the Celtics, the Pelicans have been a bit of a, su- a surprise, an upside surprise, with even with all their injuries. But there is no one team, and there are even some teams that are below the top five right now, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Suns, the Heat, that were closer to the top of their conference last year, and in the Warriors' case, they won a championship, and the Suns were the best team in the regular season. So a lot of teams in the mix, it's kind of unclear at this stage who's going to really push forward and who's going to say, you know what, it's not this year, let's pivot. Maybe we're not going for Wemby, but we're at least going to reposition here going forward. So Brady, let's start in the let's start in the Western Conference. We always start in the East. So let's start in the Western Conference. The Denver Nuggets seems to me like they've made their trade deadline acquisitions uh in the offseason. They got two guys healthy in Murray and Porter and they made additions like Bruce Brown and KCP that have worked out. Is there another piece that they could use around Nikola Jovic? Yo, did I say Jovic? I did that. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I always do the opposite on the heat. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, that just shows that you have a heat podcast, but either way, the nuggets are in a weird position compared to other teams, in my opinion, because I don't feel like, like every team's kind of looking for a decent size splash to some extent where it's like more so around the edges, I guess, in the back end of the rotation for the nuggets, because I think they kind of have what they have at the top of the, uh, the board for them, obviously around, Nikola Jokic and what they can do in terms of the starting lineup and all that type of stuff. Uh, but maybe just some more like solid wings around like the bench, just kind of surround. Cause you mentioned guys like Bruce Brown types or just 
guys in that realm, you know, obviously Tavius Caldwell Pope's shooting at an incredible level right now. Like they have decent wing shooters, but I guess like a, like a two way wing wouldn't help, like wouldn't hurt to add to this roster. The question becomes, and we're going to get into, I'm not, this isn't specifically the fit, but I know there's going to be a guy that we're going to talk about so much, or at least throw into the mix, which is Shea Crowder, because it's a guy that's the, the one role player that's basically holding out in the NBA, which I am not accustomed to at all. But his type of build, like when we talk about two-way wings, fits a lot of teams. I don't know if him specifically fits a lot of teams. But in terms of, of the Nuggets, I think maybe like a wing, solid bench player, if they can add just kind of a, kind of a smaller move compared to, I guess, other teams. And we'll have to see what kind of shape Jay's in. Uh, but he did contribute to the Heat getting to the finals a couple of years ago. And you're right, it's a strange situation. You don't see a lot of role guys that are kind of held out throughout the entire year, especially when you look at the Suns situation right now, like they just need bodies and they haven't been able to work that thing out. All right, let's look at the Grizzlies now. Um, podcast we may do going forward. Saw this on Twitter and looked like a fun topic. So maybe we'll hit this later in the week. Like who has the best big three in the NBA right now? Because you can make an argument that it's Memphis. You can make an argument with when Ja, uh, Desmond Bain and, and uh, Triple J are all playing together that – uh, that's as dynamic and sort of diverse as any group that you have in the league in terms of combining offense, defense, uh, shooting with Bain, and, and obviously the versatility uh, of uh, Jaron Jackson and then the explosiveness of John Moran. So to me, it's about keeping those guys healthy. They, they've got a pretty strong uh, bench around them. They've got a huge home court advantage. What do they need? This is another team I don't know if needs something specifically, but when I look at this roster uh, – like this roster screams consolidation trade, in my opinion. Like when you just look at the amount of young guy assets, talent they have across the roster. I know there was a, I think it was Woj that's mentioned something in the past previously where he talked about uh, kind of the possibility of moving Danny Green, I guess, for something. And, and kind of these are just marginal moves as well, kind of similar to the Nuggets. But what do they need? I think they're kind of in a decent direction. If we want to be technical, like you, you can make the comment about like a veteran presence because it's a young team. But in terms of basketball wise, like it, you, you mentioned the word health, and it really comes down to that for me. Like it, this is one of the few teams. And I know I kind of mentioned that with the Nuggets, but this is one of the few teams where it's like there's not a specific need in my opinion. It's more so if a consolidation trade opens up for them where there's like a clear cut guy, then you can maybe make that move for the deadline. Yeah, and, and you can always every team can always use another shooter, but I feel like they have enough shooting on this roster. Um, you're right about the veteran presence thing, but I almost think this group has benefited from not having one. Uh, you know, you always kind of want those leaders and mentors in the locker room, but they have a pr specific personality. We saw when Andre Iguodala was asked to be a veteran mentor a couple of years ago, that wasn't something that he wanted. Uh, they really have not had that piece, and they haven't needed it so far. I mean, you, you might want somebody to get in Jaws' ear and tell him to stop trying to dunk over people. But beyond that, like, I, I don't know that it's definitely necessary for this group. I think for some other teams, uh, it is. I, I think maybe a little bit more front court depth would not hurt them. Uh, we have seen, obviously, that Jaron Jackson has been you know, somewhat brittle over the past uh, couple of years. So you don't want a situation where if he's going to miss a week during the playoffs, you don't have anybody who can cover for them. All right, well, speaking of brittle, the Pelicans. Zion is out. Brandon Ingram has been out. They are still in the top four in their conference. They have a lot of role guys playing really well. And I, I think uh, I think CJ's an all-star this year. I, I just I think he's an all-star this year. He's carried them uh, through a lot of different stuff. David Griffin likes to make trades, though. I mean, you go all the way back to, you know, even his first year with LeBron when LeBron came back and making the huge deal 
of uh, you know Dion De- Waiters and and other pieces to get Mozgov to get uh, to get J.R. Smith that helped them get to the finals that season. That that was a team that was listless before that. Uh, he has been sort of a wheeler dealer with the Pelicans. He made the huge trade for CJ last year. Uh, that has paid off. Like I feel like David was kind of on the chopping block for a while, and now I feel like he's got the whole thing turned around. I think he's going to make a deal. What kind of deal do you think they might make? Yeah, with this one in terms of what they need, I know I've been talking about two-way wings. Like this team is just full of wings when you look across the board. Like the fact the Trey Murphys, the Herb Jones, the, the Najee Marshalls, like they have enough wings on this roster. You mentioned that they have enough kind of top of the roster talent with McCollum, Ingram, and Zion. Uh, but specifically, I wonder if like what this team could do with an extra like stretch big. Like the mm-hmm. fact where you space it a little bit more in the front court for Zion, you obviously have Valanciunas playing at a high level. Uh, Jackson Hayes has been in it, like kind of in that mix as well. But in terms of a shooter specifically, and I know there was a certain name that gets brought up a lot down here in Miami as well. But like, what would a Kelly Olynyk type do? I guess like for this offense is my question. Like, I, I think that would kind of be an interesting uh, insertion, I guess, because I feel like they could do different things. He could space for Zion. He could play make for others. Like that, that's just an interesting, I guess type of player and even if it's not a Linux, I just wonder if if there's like a stretch big type that's available that's not going to be super expensive I wonder what they could do for that guy well what about uh, this guy might be super expensive what about Bogdanovich there well yeah we could bring up Bogdanovich for has so many of these teams I feel like like that would be pretty ideal it's another guy you give them a fourth option that you could put the ball in like the, the ball in the hands of and just go make a play go get a bucket like that makes this team very scary if they get a Bogdanovich type but I feel like I'm more thinking of the, the guy that could kind of stretch the floor at center more so. Do they have enough uh, ball handling? That's another like, question. Another point guard. I was looking at that too. Like, like uh, obviously you have uh, Jose Alvarado playing at a high level. I know they play CJ McCollum with the one all the time, but I definitely, it, they definitely could use it. The question is, I guess when they're healthy, I think they have ball handling, like, because they can put the ball in certain guys' hands. But in terms of pure point guard playmakers, like the, I, I think it's there's a point to be made that they can utilize it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's go to the most surprising team in the Western Conference. Uh, we had Mark Jones on to talk about them a little while. They're hanging in. like the, They're not blowing anybody away. The, the Pacific Division is still a mess. But the Kings, I, I feel like when you haven't made the playoffs in 16 years – you're going to make a buy move here. I mean, they, they've already, they traded Halliburton. They brought in Sabonis. We know Sabonis' injury uh, history and, and his injury present. But, like, you, you have to reward those fans. Like, you've got to get to the playoffs. So I, I feel like this is – if there's a team that's going to make an, a push in the Western Conference, like you mentioned, the Nuggets and the Grizzlies don't really need to do anything. The Pelicans, again, feels to me like they just have to get as healthy as the Nuggets and Grizzlies have gotten, right, over time. The Kings need to do something, I think. I, I you know, because, I mean, you don't know if they're going to be back up here again. So what do they do? Yeah, I feel like they're in a position to do something, like you said. Like, they, this is the definition of a team that should be buying, like all the points you just made. Uh, and I know we're talking about kind of incremental moves with a lot of these teams, but in terms of the Kings, like, I wonder, like, what 
certain guys like the bigger names wings, like the Kuzmas, like what could a Kuzma do next to Sabonis in this roster? Like, a, I don't know if we could keep throwing this guy in the trade conversations just because he's playing at such a high level. It's going to be so hard to trade for him, even though they keep accumulating picks, but like a marketing type, like what would these type of guys do for this team? So if they can make that type of splash, I feel like that would be really ideal in terms of them making, uh, kind of forming their roster in a way where they know what they have, at least at the top for sure. Like I know they have Fox and Sabonis that they're building around, but when you add that extra piece into the mix, it kind of puts you a little bit more of a comfortable spot. But in terms of basketball wise, putting a playmaker in Sabonis next to kind of a, a stretch shooter, like a marketer or Kuzma, and they can do different things with it. I just, I wonder how either one of those would work out. I'll, I'll ask you, I guess, which one do you think, I guess, makes more sense? And which one do you think, I guess, is more well, likely? I, 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 I think Kuzma's going to be easier to get uh, yeah. than Markkinen. So, I, I, you know, if you're going to make that one, I, I feel like, like as much as I say that the Kings need to make a move to reward their fans, and again, because of their history and not being in this position so often, I feel like they're going to make a move they ultimately regret because they're the Kings in the effort to push forward and then end up in the play-in somehow. But I, I still think they need to do it. So to me, it is making more of a move like for Kuzma, which may cost less capital, less money long-term. Well, I know he's looking for money and he wants to enter the free agent market. The, re- the other thing that a lot of these teams are dealing with is that the free agent market coming up this year just sucks. And so there's going to be a lot of players uh, that are going to wait to get the extensions. You're not necessarily trading for a player and going to get an automatic extension out of them. And that changes the equation here a little bit. So I, I just feel like that's, you know, that's kind of the way to look at this is that, you know, you, you ha- you're basically renting a player. Um, so we talk about building around a core, but you're, you're kind of renting a player to make the push this season. I think they're the team that needs to do it more than any other team, except the next one that we're going to mention. Dallas Mavericks need to make a move. They have to. They, you, you, you have to start building equity with your, you know, your otherworldly star, because there's only if they count on Luca to be dirt and just stay forever and trust Mark Cuban to figure it out. I think they're going to get burned in a couple of years that like they have to, even if it doesn't work, they have to do something. They screwed up the Brunson thing. There's no way around that at this point. Like Brunson would help them. What do they need right now? They need Jalen Brunson. Like that's what they need. Okay. If you look at their roster, that's what they're most missing is another guy who can ball hand, who can score, who can create, who can get to the rim next to to Luca. So he doesn't have to do everything himself. I know Dinwiddie has done some of that this year. We've talked a lot about Tim Hardaway Jr. potentially uh, being a trade candidate for them, Dorian Finney-Smith being a trade candidate for them. They have to do something, don't they? Yeah, this is the team that probably has to do the biggest move because we can talk about these like like adding another 3 and D guy or a pure scorer of some kind. But like, does that really move the needle in a way where you're helping Luca to that extent? I know we just threw this name out there, but I still feel like Bogdanovich would make so much sense for this offense. Like another guy that can put so much pressure in the rim, can shoot a little bit, can put Luke off the ball and where he's not having as much pressure every time down. Uh, I think an interesting team to watch, I feel like it's Toronto with this specific group because they have so many guys that I feel like would fit Luca's, I get not only his timeline, but I guess his play style. Like there's so many guys on that roster. So I I would, if I'm Dallas, I'm looking at Toronto, Bogdanovich would be an interesting ad, but like when we talk about like these, these, bench additions on a lot of these teams like we just said with Memphis and Denver that is not the case with the Mavericks like they are in a position where Luka is pushing them in a position that they're the fifth seed in the Western Conference right now uh they're playing good basketball in a weird play style because Luka's just basically carrying them offensively like he needs help and and they're not in a terrible position it feels like to get him help 
Let's look at the wild cards in the Western Conference. Uh, we're not going to address the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Wolves. We are sorry to Portland, Utah, and Minnesota fans, but we've kind of done entire episodes on all three of those teams. And I don't think those are the three teams that really anybody's worried about. There's the three teams that were title contenders before the season, one coming off a championship, and another team that's the highest profile team in the league. The Warriors, the Clippers, the Suns, the Lakers. Would you be buyers in all four cases? Yes. I mean, definitely. I'm looking at the lowest seed among the four, and it's the Lakers, and I would definitely be a buyer if I was them because you literally were watching night in and night out LeBron James play at an incredible level, and still he has nobody around him to have any type of help at the level he's playing. Uh, The Suns just need to get Devin Booker back, and I think they're in a position where they are in major need of a trade because that Mm -hmm. roster, even with Devin Booker back, it's just plugging the holes that are eventually going to fall apart in the playoffs if they keep going at this at this rate. Uh, and then obviously the Warriors can kind of get back on track in general, but they should be buyers. I, I'm interested in like I know there, there's been like the talk about like a Pirtle type because obviously Pirtle's another one of these trade targets. How that would fit because he would he is a system Warriors player in terms of the playmaking and the guy that could, they can put down low a little bit, get some rebounds, do different things for that uh, interior defensively. Like that would be. Interesting, especially because they also need a backup big to some extent because of the James Wiseman thing. Like if they could kind of get somebody to kind of stagger in that way, it would be interesting. So I would definitely be a buyer if I was them. Uh, and then the Clippers, I mentioned Memphis before about consolidation trades just because they have a bunch of young guys. But the Clippers are the real definition of consolidation trade. Like they just have a bunch of wings that it feels like teams. I know we talked about it with Miami. There's teams out there that could use some wings that they have. Like they 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 could really be utilized on these other teams. So they are real assets. So the Clippers should be buyers to kind of improve this roster, I guess, and kind of cash in a lot of the chips they have. So I would agree. I think all four are pretty much in a similar position. To me, the Lakers are the team that has to buy. They have to yeah. buy. They, they they have to buy, or this is going to be the ugliest offseason that they've ever faced. Uh they just they have to do it. They got to trade the picks. I mean, and now that we've seen all these other teams kind of fall back to the pack that were perceived to be, you know, big threats, the Warriors, Clippers, Suns. The Lakers have to buy. They, they got to appease LeBron. I'm sorry. Like, that's the, the, that's the LeBron business. You appease him, okay? Even if it's not the right decision, you appease him. Because even the Miami Heat, who had the best success managing all of that, they lost him because they did not appease him, really. I mean, that's what it ultimately came down to, whether it was – uh, the people around him or the amnesty of Mike Miller or any of that. We can talk about him wanting to go back and his family and all of that played into it. But ultimately there's, there's no one above him in terms of what he's going to bring to your organization at all levels. And if he's still playing this way, you have to take care of it. Now, I would look at the other teams. I don't think the Warriors necessarily need a big move. I, I They should be buyers, but I, they need Steph healthy. That That's, that's what they need, and they need a couple of those young guys to start playing more consistently. I, I can see them maybe trading a couple of the young guys to get a more veteran per player who's at a higher level than Iguodala at this stage, uh, maybe on the wings. I think that would be helpful to them, or maybe another big to help Looney. But I I think they're okay as long as Steph is healthy. The Clippers, I think you're right. I think the Clippers is more of a guys out, guys in thing. I don't think it's necessarily like adding a ton to the roster, but they have some dead weight there because of their roster construction. And But they're ultimately not going anywhere unless Kawhi stays healthy anyway. So I, I don't know that I would go all in not knowing if Kawhi is going to be healthy, but I do think that you can move some of those pieces to get pieces that fit better. The one I don't know if I agree with you on is the Suns. I am getting to the point now where it just doesn't look right there. 
this year. You know, it looks to me, it's not just the Booker injury. I know they were playing okay before Booker got hurt. But it just looked to me like they were so deflated by last year. It's really tough when you dominate the league in the regular season and then you lay an egg like that. And, I mean, not just that they lost, but they lost at home by 40 in a game seven. And then they dealt with the whole Aiton thing in the offseason where it looks now like to me like they overpaid him, which they didn't were not initially going to do because they waited too long. And they ended up having no choice really but to match. And then the Crowder situation, which has been a complete distraction. And we know that Chris Paul, how many more years of production like this are you going to get from him? There's already been some slippage. Like it feels like he had, you know, he sort of had the late career, you know, bump back up. And now I think it's going to go back the other direction. You don't play forever at a high level. If I were the Suns, I might sell, honestly. I I mean, I, I understand giving it a couple of weeks when Booker's back to see where it's at. But I, I don't – are they coming out of the West this year? I don't feel like it. Like, I, I know I said last week I thought they had a shot, but the more that I look at them, I'm not sure. So I would say Lakers, yes, absolutely. Even though I think they're the worst of the four teams, I think that's why you need to do it, trade the pick. Warriors, I think, wait till Curry comes back, maybe make a, uh, a move for another vet who can help you deep in the playoffs. Clippers, guys in, guys out. Suns, I might sell. All right, let's go over to the Eastern Conference. And let's look again at the top of it. Um, kind of depends on the day who's up there. Let, let's start with the Celtics, though. Uh, what what do they need to do? Yeah, you mentioned this, I think, phrase earlier with another team, but I think it's just added front court depth, I guess, because uh, they can just utilize, I guess, a little bit more size, I guess, on the back end. It seems like Robert Williams obviously could play at a high level when he's healthy, but is he always going to be healthy? And when he is not healthy, <laughs> you just need to have an alternative at that point. So in terms of uh, specific targets. I'm not really sure about a specific guy. I feel like it's more so like kind of on, they're not making, this is like the same thing in the Western conference. Like how I said there was, it's not more so you're fixing the top end of the roster. It's more so kind of back end rotation. Can you make a move? I know I brought up Pirtle before. Would Pirtle be interesting on, on the Celtics? Like it would kind of be interesting. That would be an interesting move in general, but uh, this more of a team, I feel like is pretty much set. Like they made their move already. They made their big kind of trade deadline type offseason splash with Malcolm Brogdon already. They kind of, that was kind of their one hole. I think they fixed that. And now it's just, if there was a move to make, just kind of add some front court depth. Yeah, I understand that. And we've seen that uh, Brad Stevens, uh, like Danny Ainge, you know, is, is going to look kind of to change the pieces out in front court. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. The Grant Williams situation is kind of hanging over them because now I'm not really clear what you do pay him as he becomes a restricted free agent. Um, I, I you know, Brogdon kind of took care of the ball handling issues for them. So I don't know that they necessarily need more backcourt depth. They, they have better depth than they had last year. So that, that should be, I, I don't know that the big move needs to me. Brogdon was the big move. Uh, with them, it's just uh, it's to me it's consistency at this stage. Like they are, they they've been kind of a weird team this year in that they are hanging up there, but some of the the metrics that were really good early in the season are not as good now. I think integrating Robert Williams is the single biggest thing that they need to do this season. And you and I talked about it before he came back that they got to get back to playing the way that they were before he came in consistently. All right, let's go over to the Bucks. Um, they made some moves in the offseason. We're finally seeing Joe Ingles with them. So, you know, that's, you know, they have one piece that they're, you know, that they're, they're working into their rotation comes down to health for Giannis and Middleton, as always holidays, carrying a lot of the load right now. Do they need anything? It's interesting because their roster is like, they watch them, I guess, in those two games in Miami recently as well. Like they have a lot of just solid defenders on the roster where they can do different things 
uh, and run different stuff defensively. But in terms of like what they could add, I wonder like what a bench kind of spark plug offensive type player would do. Like I, I was looking like maybe like some of those guards in Utah, like you look at a Sexton or a Clarkson, like what they could do to that, that bench unit to kind of like choose up their offense in a way. Uh, I feel like it would give them a little bit, I guess, more diversity, I guess, in their play style. If you can kind of add it in uh, just a pure bucket getter to some extent. So I wonder if, if it, it's kind of hard to say, because I don't know if this is really realistic in terms of them making a big move. This is probably similar to the Celtics, but if there was something, this is the opposite of the Celtics. They don't need front court depth. I feel like a little bit more backcourt bench scoring could be helpful. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, they they looked at Clarkson before, so that's that's a name. Mm. To, you know, I remember they were they were they were in on Goran Dragic last year too before he signed with the Nets. So you can see what they're looking for. They they are looking for kind of a bench igniter for maybe 15 to 20 minutes to get them a bucket. I, I think that would be helpful to Giannis. I, I think a veteran in that role would be fine. You know, they've kind of used George Hill in sort of that role. He's not that kind of player anymore. So I, I and, and Ingles is just so solid across the board. But again, he's not that kind of player, especially at his age. I mean, he plays so slow. They, they need somebody who I think quickens the pace, can get them a bucket. So I'm with you on that. Let's look at the Sixers now. I found it interesting that Doc Rivers said with Tyrese Maxey back, they're going to have three different starting lineups based on the opponent. Uh, we don't see that a ton, right? So what, like what, what do they, what do they do now? Yeah, this one's interesting as well. I think what could, there's not really like a big move for them considerably either. Like it's, it's more so I saw there was like the, the one of the trade targets that was linked to them is it was Eric Gordon. Like if maybe they bring in uh, a guy that can be an extra shooter kind of off the bench and utilize it different ways. Maybe we brought the Clippers in a consolidation trade. Could like Covington coming back to Philly, being a two-way wing, do some things like bring a little bit more offense to the four position because I know PJ Tucker has like the most zero-point games in the league this year so far and in the minutes that he's played. So like maybe somebody that could like do a little bit offensively and, and still provide a little bit defensively. So maybe just a little bit of, of a little bit of everything, it feels like there's not one specific thing. I guess just plugging up some things on the bench, maybe some extra shooting, maybe some extra two-way play. Uh, but the, but the specifically, I guess the big man stuff, I feel like they have kind of figured out maybe a different coach at some point, if he's going to be, uh, <laughs> plugging in different lineups for different opponents. I, I don't know. That's the best way to get consistency with a team that needs it. Um, I mean, Har- Harden's improved health has made a difference. We'll see how it goes deep into the playoffs. Brady from listening to me for the past couple of years knows how I feel about that. But I, I, I think w- to me, I'm with you. As much as we talk about the importance of PJ Tucker, he is a liability offensively at this stage, the way that they use him. He was not as much in Miami. He did become somewhat that in the playoffs, but the way that they use him, you're basically playing four on five. So you need another option, unless you're just going to play Harris at the four all the time. Um, But I, I, we've seen that hasn't really worked in the playoffs for them. So I'm not sure. All right, let's look at the nets. I mean, the single biggest thing they need is KD. Because we saw what they were with KD. Kyrie is kind of showing again that when you expect him to be a number one option, his play tails off. Uh, it has of late. And expecting Ben Simmons to carry the offensive slack on a consistent basis is fool's gold here. So not even fool's gold. It's like fool's bronze. Uh, what what would you do if you're the Nets? Because they, they we like their, their roster. When they came down here with, with KD, we're like, okay, they've got length. They've got some shooting. They obviously have two elite scorers. Uh, you know, they have a coach that they seem to be buying into. Uh, 
but, but you know, they, I mean, it seems like this is their window like this year before everything blows up again. So would you make a move to move to push it forward? I definitely would. And I'm pretty sure it was Zach Buckley uh, that mentioned throughout the Mo Bamba thing if, or re- a little bit recently, I guess, earlier in December. And I like that in terms of we were talking about the length that they have and the different things they could do defensively. You have two absolute killers offensively that could do different things on the ball. Uh, Plaxton's been very good for them. And he's done different things with switching. He's, he's kind of developed in a certain way. But in terms of a guy that you could kind of just do a little bit more, I guess, around the rim with some rim protection, a guy that could rebound a little bit, uh, that can obviously stretch the floor a little bit. Like that would make them, if that would, if that like was to work out and go in the right direction, if they were to acquire Mo Bamba, that would make them pretty dangerous because then they can really do some difficult things uh, defensively, and they can space it a little bit for the guys that they have. Like I feel like that would specifically be like a really intriguing pickup for them. But uh, I agree. I think they need to push forward because right now. If you have, you know, finally, I know this is an injury base, but you finally have Kyrie and KD basically on the same page where mm-hmm. they're playing at a high level this season. If you can get them both on the court heading into the postseason, you're going to be in a decent position anyway. So I definitely try and cash in. I think Mo Bamba kind of puts, pushes them in a decent direction. All right. The other team that's been in the top five pretty much all year is the Cavs. Uh, I know that they're looking to add. And that's from talking to writers up there and just having some familiarity with their organization. So they, they are going to continue to push forward. They've struck gold here with, with Donovan Mitchell, obviously uh, Garland Mitchell, you know, seems to be working out a little bit better. Uh, you know, it, you know, now that Garland's gotten sort of integrated there, they have the two, you know, really good bigs. Uh, one of them Mobley ultimately is going to be an elite player in the league. I keep hearing that Kobe Altman is interested in wing depth Uh you know, going forward, it seems to me, and that that does seem to be what is out there the most this time in free agency. Uh, oh, not free agency in the trade market. So, what what wing would you look at there? Yeah, it's definitely the wing stuff for this team because you look at the fact that their their small forward position has just like been a constant rotating door this entire season. Like it it comes down to like what kind of player do they want at the three? Like, would you want? More specifically, a shooter. Would you want more specifically kind of a, a lower offensive player but that could kind of do two-way things? Uh, it's a good question. That you, we keep bringing up Bogdanovich. Like, if they were to add a Bogdanovich type and plug into there, like, that would really push them in a certain direction. But I don't know if that's uh, truly possible. But in terms of, of the wing depth, uh, I know you mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. before in terms of, of Dallas possibly giving up. I wonder if they could get into those type of stuff. Kind of a, uh, would be... Interesting because I, I I mean, I don't think he would play the three for them, but like it would be a decent addition to what they're trying to do. Uh, but it really does come down to the small four position. I know there was like, I know we keep looking at the same teams because it's the same teams that we keep looking at kind of giving stuff up. Like the magic, I saw there was one thing linked to the Cavs where they were talking about potentially like a Terrence Ross type, like which would kind of be interesting, I guess. Uh, so it really is. It comes down to wings for them. And if they could add like a solid three where they have a, Specifically, like they have their starting lineup every game, which is tough to do in this league anymore because it feels like guys are constantly in and out of, the, of lineups. But if they went, went healthy, if they know what their starting lineup is and they can kind of build momentum and, and chemistry with the rotation, like that seems like the biggest thing. because It's all about now at this point complementing uh, that specific backcourt. And I don't think you want to take the ball out of their hands too much, like obviously with Garland and Mitchell. So it has to be a guy that I guess fits their play styles. And it feels like, I keep, you know, everybody wants two-way wings, but not there's not enough effective two-way wings in this league. So we keep, can't, we can't keep just saying two-way wings. But I guess somebody that balances, I guess, their their top two scores in a, in a decent way. 
All right, so let's look at the two wild cards uh, in the Eastern Conference. One of these we cover a lot on five on the floor. The other one is hanging in, um, the Knicks. There's going to be an expectation in New York that there's a we know there's an expectation in Miami that that the Heat are going to make a move and that they have to make a move. Uh, There's going to be an expectation in New York that they make a move, even though their big move was Brunson and then the extension for Barrett. What do they need? A big? You're talking about the Knicks specifically to start? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would say if we're moving past, like, I feel like if if you're talking about from a Knicks perspective, they're immediately going to look at the big names. Like, I know there was Zach Levine talk or like those bigger names that they're ultimately not going to come close to because that's just the way things always end up seeming to work out. Uh, but yeah, I would say maybe they could go in a lot of different directions. I don't know if it's specifically one thing. Like, I feel like they just need consistency because they're getting that to a certain degree right now from Randall. I see RJ Barrett just had a big game. They're really getting consistency from Brunson. But after those top three guys, like you just need somebody that you're going to get consistent, uh, play from in different dynamics of the game. It could be a big that you can plug in different ways. It could be, uh, kind of a, a spot of shooter that's going to just consistently hit. Like there's, there's different ways they could go with this. Uh, the magic, I keep looking at the magic roster, like the, like Gary Harris types, maybe like there's just kind of certain role player type guys. Uh, but they're in a weird position where like, I know you're going to go to Miami next, but like Miami has like a certain guy that they're looking at, like a, like a certain type of player build that they need where the Knicks, I feel like, there's not one thing. I feel like they could kind of make a deal where maybe they get two players back to kind of fill two needs where it's kind of like pushing them in a certain direction where they get kind of like a guard and a big kind of in the same deal. All right. And for all the talk on the heat, follow five on the floor. Now, seriously, we'll, uh, we, we know, we know what they need. There's no, there's no reason to to dwell on it. They, they need, they need to move the Deadman contract. They need to move the Duncan Robinson contract. They need to possibly trade a first round pick if that's necessary. And they need to explore moving Kyle Lowry. That's my opinion. Uh, and they need they need essentially to complement what is their core right now, which is Bam, Jimmy, Hero, and Oladipo uh, with a quality four so that everybody can move back to their normal spots. You can put Caleb Martin off the bench as, as a reserve wing who can fill in for a lot of the things that Jimmy does. And they've got Gabe Vincent back. They have to make a decision on Max Struess going forward. But but to me, it's it's they just have to plug the hole at the four. And, I you know, we look back at the P.J. Tucker decision. I still agree with it. I still think Caleb Martin was made more sense to keep him, but you need somebody who gave you some of the things that PJ gave you, which is a compliment to Bam from a rebounding and defensive perspective up there with a little bit more physicality. And then I think everything else will fall into place. But I think you and I also agree they need a shooter. And if, if they can get the set, like the, 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 the ideal guy for them would be Bogdanovich to me, uh, giving them a shooter who can also play at the four spot, even though he's not a big rebounder. Uh, but I don't know necessarily that they have the assets to get it. All right, for Brady, you can follow me at BradyHawk305. I'm Ethan J. Smolin, going to 5 Reasons Sports. We'll be back with another ste- episode of The Step Back coming up on Friday. We will dig in later in the week to, like, instead of going around the league, we're going we're gonna to pick one topic uh, and hit on it. So Brady and I will, will decide that as the week goes on and bring on a guest. Uh, thanks to Richard Shaw and the rest of our crew over at Fansided for the production today. Have a good day, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.